We are in Ezra chapter 6 today. I'll be reading verses 19 through 22. We will be focusing on verse 19. Ezra chapter 6, verses 19 through 22. And the children of the captivity kept the Passover upon the 14th day of the first month. For the priest and the Levites were purified together. All of them were pure and killed the Passover for all the children of the captivity and for their brethren, the priest, and for themselves. And the children of Israel, which were come out of captivity and all such as had separated themselves, separated themselves unto them from the filthiness of the heathen of the land to seek the Lord God of Israel did eat and kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy. For the Lord had made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria unto them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful this morning to be able to come together as your people to stand before your word. Lord, we know that your word is true. We know that your spirit uh, will lead us into all truths and to comfort our hearts. We pray now that uh, your spirit would be active. Help us to understand this passage aright. Bless it to our souls. Use it to change us and to conform us into the image of your dear son. And it's in his name, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There is a word that I hear nearly everywhere I go. I hear it spoken in our congregation. I've heard it spoken recently in both Texas and Missouri. I hear it frequently come out of my own mouth. You and I read about it in our Bibles. We read about it in other books. We long for it. We yearn for it. We rightly defend its importance. And yet, it seems the more we try to defend it, the more we try to uh, establish it, the more we even occasionally try to force it, It seems the more we try to nail it down, the more elusive it becomes. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about the word community. If you go online and you plug in the word community and you ask Google to very helpfully define it for you, it will give you two definitions. The first one is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. The second definition is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. It's actually pretty good definitions. If we go back to the older definition that we find in the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary, we will find this. A society of people having common rights and privileges, 
or common interest, civil, political, or ecclesiastical, or living under the same laws and regulations. This word may signify a commonwealth or state, a body politic, or a particular society or order of men within a state as a community of monks. And it is often used for the public or people in general without definite limits. So how do we define community? On what common characteristics or foundations are, is our community based upon? What are the common attitudes, interests, and goals of our community? This passage in Ezra from verse 19 to verse 22 is really a high water mark in the history of Israel up to this point. As I was studying through this, I got hung up on the very first verse here. It says, And the children of the captivity kept the Passover upon the fourteenth day of the first month. But it was not even the whole passage that had caught my attention. It was these few words. The children of the captivity kept the Passover. And I thought, this is a defining statement. This is a true definition of this community. And I will argue that it is a true definition of our own community. Each one of these words adds to the definition and fills out the richness of what it looks like to live in this community and in our own. As we go and look at these words, the word here for children means son or the people of a nation conceived as children. It can mean a member of a guild, order, or class. A person with certain qualities or characteristics. It may have tribal, ethnic, or even a national sense. And designate the place from which you come. Sounds very much like the definition of community. And we all have this in common our fathers before us in this passage were like this. They were a nation. They were descendants of a common ancestry. They made up a particular tribe. They have a common beginning. Just like you and I. We come from a similar place. Most of us have fairly similar backgrounds. But as we move forward here, we see the word captivity. And this is a word that means exile. It means the act of dwelling 
in a country other than one's native land means being exiled to another country. And the children of Israel shared this as well. You see, there's a sense in which all true believers, those here and you here, that we who seek the Lord by faith have always been strangers and foreigners in the land in which we live. I believe this sense is even stronger and more real than the native-born earthly homeland that we call home. It's even stronger than the sense of being called to serve in that land over there. See, we all have this inborn, all we as believers, we have this inborn uneasiness with where we live. It doesn't quite fit, does it? It's not really comfortable. We have a love for the land. We have a love for our home. We have a love even for the people who are associated with that centralized location. But it doesn't quite seem to be our home, does it? In Hebrews chapter 11, we are told that this was true of the children of Israel. And I've argued that it is true for us as well. And the passage says, these, referring to even the children of captivity here, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were assured of them and embraced them. And they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out of, they would have returned. But now, through faith, they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be their God, for He has prepared a city for them. See, we understand that this is not our home. We are called to live here. We're even called to occupy this space in which we live. But this is not our home. And as the children of captivity, we understand that this is not our home. That we, in some sense, and maybe even a very real sense, have been exiled into this foreign land in which we live. We see this phrase, children of captivity, of the captivity, used four different times in Ezra alone. It is God reminding them over and over again of their common heritage and of their common condition. 
I'll get to that in a little bit. The word, the word kept here, so the children of captivity kept the Passover. The word kept is telling us that we perform an activity together. We have a distinct purpose together as a people. We have a moral obligation. We have a common service, which again defines us as a community. And then we come to the word Passover. And this word is loaded with imagery. I'm wondering what you're thinking of right now as you consider the word Passover. Do we remember the event in Egypt? The first Passover. The children of Israel were in bondage and the Lord was in the process of delivering them. But Pharaoh would have none of it. Even, with, even after all the plagues, all the suffering that had happened. So the Lord tells the Israelites to take the blood of a slain lamb and to smear it, to spread it on the doorframe of their house. And they were to eat the animal that was dedicated to the Lord for this purpose. As the Lord went through the land of Egypt, as the angel of death moves through this land to kill all of the firstborn, the Lord told them that He would see the blood on their doorframe and that he would pass over their house, and that judgment would not visit them. It is interesting that as they were commanded to eat this meal, this sacrificial lamb, they were told to eat it with their sandals on their feet and their staffs in their hand. For even while they ate this meal, they were called to be ready to move at the Lord's command. And the children of the captivity kept the Passover. There are many, many ways in which these people have been identified. They have been referred to as Israel. They have been referred to as the sons of Abraham, the daughter of Zion. They've been called Hebrews. They've been called Jews. They have an identity in their forefathers. There are many ways in which we have been referred to as Christian, saints, children of God, believers, disciples, followers 
of Jesus Christ. We are called by those who have gone before us, by the first Adam and by the second Adam. We see the descendants of Abraham and Israel and Moses saved by the blood of the Lamb. We have seen Adam and Jesus, descendants of Adam, and then of spiritually through Jesus, saved by the blood of the Lamb of God. The children of Israel, the children of captivity, children of those who had been carried away. But this is not our primary identifier. This is not what defines us as a community. We see in Ezra chapter 5, verse 11, when they identified themselves, the children of captivity identified themselves correctly when they said, we are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. They had been called to build a house, remember? These servants of God laboring in His service. But even as they build this house in Jerusalem, even as they obey the Lord in this service, they are reminded here again that this is ultimately not their home. That it is ultimately not about this particular location. That they are to worship, if you will, with the sandals on their feet and the staff in their hands, ready to obey the Lord as He calls them to another place. You see, our identity is more about who we are than where we are. We see this emphasized in John chapter 4, where we are told that no longer will worship be centralized in one location, but that those who are the followers of God, those who are followers of Jehovah, will worship in spirit and in truth. The children of the captivity kept the Passover. One of the things I want you to think about with this word captivity is that we all have this common condition. As children, we have like a common beginning, but as captivity, as those of the captivity, we have a common condition. That condition is that as we remember the Passover, right? That we have been delivered by and from judgment. That God through judgment and miracles have delivered us out of captivity, out of bondage into the Lord's kingdom. I mean, think of the plagues in Egypt. 
how terrible they were, how destructive they were. Think of the angel of the Lord and the grief and the horror of all of the firstborns in the land being killed. And yet, these are the very uh, things that the Lord used to deliver His people out of bondage. And this has happened many times, multiple times. We are saved out of sin and idolatry. Amen? Remember, Abraham was called out of right Ur of Chaldees. It was an idolatrous land. The children of Israel were called out of Egypt. They were rescued out of Egypt. The children of captivity that we are reading about today were delivered from Babylon. And we, like these in our text, we've been delivered many times as well. Maybe it would be fair to say that we are being delivered from sin and death continually. See, we, like the children of captivity, are a community made up of sinners. A group of sinners saved by grace. Recipients of the Lord's mercy. We have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We've been called out by faith. We've, called, we've been called out of our idolatrous homelands. We've been called out of the wickedness of the world that is around us. And we have been called into the kingdom of light. The children of the captivity kept the Passover. We see an identifier in children as a common beginning. We see the identifier in the captivity that we have a common condition. In the word kept, we see that we have a common service. These all pour into our community and help to define us. But it is really this idea of keeping the Passover, this primacy of worship that defines us. See, we are, some of us, related by blood. Some of us are related by marriage. We live in a centralized location. Some of us even have the same employer. There is a lot of commonness in our community. But it is not those things that define us. We have walked through hard times together as a group. We have endured strife. We have, we have buried one another's children. 
we have seen pain and suffering. And yet through that, the Lord has been gracious to us. Even through those events, even through those hard times that we've been called to walk in, there has been one constant. There has been a bright spot always. You know, as we think about the Passover, as we think about what led up to that actual event, we see way back in Exodus chapter 3 that the Lord was calling His people out of Egypt for what purpose? Do you remember? He was calling them out to serve the Lord upon His holy mountain. In Exodus 8, we read this, Thou and the elders of Israel unto the king of Egypt, and ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. The whole point of being released from Egypt was so that they could worship. So that they could leave the sinful, idolatrous, wicked land in which they lived. That they could be delivered from that. That they could be removed from that. They could be separated from that. And worship the Lord God Almighty. The prophets have warned the people over and over again to turn from sin and idolatry, to turn from their wicked ways and to serve the Lord, to worship the Lord. This is His call. In Isaiah 55, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly Pardon. In Ezekiel we read, But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he has committed, and keep all my statutes, and do all that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. And in Joel chapter 2 we read this, Therefore, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. 
Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth to his, of his chamber and the bride come out of her closet. Let the priest and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. You see, it is out of Egypt, out of Ur of the Chaldees, out of Egypt were the people called. They were called when they took the land in Canaan to come out from among them to not participate in their wickedness. They were called out of Babylon. Why? They were called to worship the Lord. Do you remember in Ezra chapter 1? Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Now we've talked about this, but this is an amazing thing that the Lord would use a pagan king to reestablish worship. But we're also told that then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, with all them whose spirit God had raised, to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. This passage, the children of the captivity kept the Passover. You've heard me say this before, but I want you to see this. God, in His providence, has orchestrated all of human history to culminate in this event His people. Thousands of years of history. Man falling into sin and God responding in grace. I want you to think of all the worship over this time period. All the prayers, all the weeping, all the singing, all the joy, all the sacrifice. Think of all the ways that the Lord protected His people. Think of all of the wrath and judgment that was poured out on God's enemies and the enemies of His people. All of history had led up to this moment so that God's people could worship Him. The children of the captivity kept the Passover. You see, worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth, this, this is the defining characteristic of our community. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. We worship the triune God in spirit and in truth. 
Do you see this? Every week, every week, you and I respond to the supernatural call of the Holy Spirit. And we make our way to this place. We set our face to come, and we know that we're going together with others who are responding to the Spirit in a similar way. You and I walk into this room all cleaned up and shiny, but with the weight of the past sins, weight of the week's past sins and failures and disappointments. And we sit in these pews and we hear God call us to come to the top of His holy mountain. We gather in this tired old building and we gather together as His people and we enter into His presence. Do you understand how insane this is? You and I come before the One who refers to Himself as a holy, consuming fire. The only righteous judge in existence. And we come here and we bow before Him and we confess our sins. We lay our heads down on the altar and we submit to His holy justice. We confess our high crimes against Him and His holy law. This is not something that normal people do. We experience something together. There is an intimacy here as we pour out our sins to the Lord, as we confess, as we say, Lord, we are undone before You. We are Your unworthy servants. You don't find this happening anywhere else. We come into the very throne room of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Sometimes I think we come in a little casual, a little nonchalant. We come as an unfaithful bride confessing our unfaithfulness, confessing our idolatry and our adultery and we stand before a holy groom. And we lay our heads on His holy altar and we wait. And week after week, Sunday after Sunday, our beloved groom 
touches our face. He looks us in the eye. He comforts us with his words. He responds to us in mercy and grace and kindness. And then, as individuals and as people, we lift our voice in joyful praise. Gladness overflowing our hearts, our hearts and our hands raised in eternal thanksgiving. And then the groom, our loving groom, comes to shower us with all manner of blessings. We hear his encouraging words. He comforts us with his promises. He declares his faithfulness to us. He gives himself completely to us. And we sit and we eat and we drink the Passover lamb, the lamb of God. You and I sit around the table that he has prepared for us. We sit in sweet, sweet fellowship and communion with the creator of heaven and earth and with each other. He then speaks blessing upon us as we return to serving Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Every week, you and I commune with the Maker of heaven and earth, the Maker of all that is. We meet with our beloved Groom, we come seeking His mercy and His grace, and He provides it. We commune intimately with Him and with each other. There is no experience like this in all the earth. This is a bond that draws us closer than blood family. This is an intimacy that you and I cannot experience anywhere else. This is the foundation of our community. This is what binds us together. This is why. This is why when somebody leaves that it hurts so deeply. For who else on earth have we communed with like this? Who else has seen us pour out our souls before the Lord? Who else has seen our tears wiped away and our heads lifted by the Lord of glory? You, the children of captivity, are to keep this Passover. I want you to remember all of the imagery that goes with it. 
I want you to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. You and I are called into community. You and I have been called into fellowship. We have been called into communion with the Lord God Almighty and with His people that are here and everywhere else that are His. This is how our community is defined. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, we have come before Your Holy Word again this day. Lord, You have given us the eyes of faith. You have given us the ears of faith. You have opened up our hearts by faith. Lord, You have allowed us to hear the gracious Word of promise. We know it is true that You will never leave us or forsake us. That You rescue us time and time again from captivity, even of our own making. Lord, our hearts are full of Your goodness. We rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We have been comforted by Your Word and Your Spirit. You have pronounced Your peace upon us. And for this, we are eternally thankful and grateful. And we praise Your name forever and ever. In Jesus' name, Amen.